The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Wow. I just, what, what great truths to sing. How, how wonderful to get up and celebrate. I hope you're uh, able to do that this morning. Hey, we didn't pr- uh, play at home. We didn't play that, honey. We didn't play that, uh, the new song that we always, oh, you did? You worshiped after I left home? I don't know. Uh, we, we always, what, 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 uh, what is that song? Arise, my love. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, I'm on the, when I go home. Okay, we'll redo it. I uh, love to celebrate Easter with you. There's a, there is a story uh, of a man that uh, was rather a new believer. And uh, his wife, however, was a longer established Christian, if you want to say it like that. And she took, um, uh, or she talked her husband into taking her to the Holy Land on a trip. And she said, you know, it'd be really great, too. My mother would really like to go. And he wasn't that crazy about his mother-in-law, but he said, okay. And the three of them went to the Holy Land uh, for a little visit. And, uh, again, he was a little unfamiliar with what was going on. But uh, in the whole journey and everything like that, tragically, the mother-in-law had a heart attack. And, yeah, and she passed. <laughs> now, why you laugh at that, Ben, I have no idea. But, uh, but the mother-in-law had a heart attack and passed away. And... Uh, they, of course, you know, the family is trying to figure out what to do, and some of the officials came, and they said, Sir, just so you know, it's going to be really expensive to ship her body back to the States for burial. I mean, it's going to cost you like 20000 plus to take care of all this. He said, however, he said, if you just want to bury her here, here in Holy Land, uh, we can probably keep it like right around 1000 bucks." And... Um, you know, he got he got thinking about that a little bit, and they said twenty thousand or twenty thousand plus to send her home, or a thousand bucks here. And uh, he looked at his wife, and she said, "I'm okay if you if you want to bury her here, that's okay." And he said, uh, "No, we're going the twenty thousand dollar route." And the guy said, "What's up?" And he said, "Well, ever since I've been here, all I keep hearing about is this guy that rose from the dead." He said, "I'm not taking any chances at all. Uh, we're gonna make sure that that uh, that we get this." The, uh, the event that we celebrate, the event that we talk about today, you know, I don't usually do canned jokes. I thought I'd try one today just to see how it went. Uh, so we'll have to go back and measure it. But uh, the, uh, the event that we celebrate today really is, you know, I like to, you can't ignore. In fact, I like to call it the defining miracle of Christianity. Uh, that separating factor. Every other group that you want to list, and you say, boy, they had a great religious leader, and they have a great following, or whatever like that. The thing that separates Christianity from everything else is the resurrection of the dead. Uh, The message that we proclaim, uh, so excited today, I mean, there's no doubt uh, through history. I mean, you'd have to be a total denier of the facts to say Jesus was never born. Uh, all of, you know, take the Bible out of the picture, and all of history proclaims very plainly that he was indeed born. Uh, the fact that he died, again, no doubt about that. But the question is, and the de- again, the defining point, the important point, is that Jesus rose again. 
This is the thing that, uh, that makes the difference, if you will, as far as our life is concerned. Many pastors today will take the time, and we'll probably do this here on an Easter or two, just to talk about the proofs of the resurrection. It's so important that we understand that this is an established fact, and many pastors will go through the uh, texts of Scripture that talk about the evidence that Jesus is risen from the dead, that talk about the, uh, all the eyewitnesses that saw him, and, and will tell the whole story there, uh, and uh, you know, give the details, and so we have told you for sure that Jesus is risen. Other pastors will include some of the historical facts of the time to talk about the fact that Jesus indeed is risen. Uh, there's a work called uh, Jesus and the Eyewitnesses by a guy named Bacham, I think, that is really good as far as that goes, and you can dig in and get all the historical evidence, and many pastors will do that today. Others will say, hey, uh, there's, a work, there's a work by N.T. Wright that just talks about the resurrection, and you know, let us prove to you once and for all that Jesus is risen from the dead. For our sermon today, we're, we're actually going to go a little bit of a different direction as far as that goes. I am going to operate on the assumption that you came here today to celebrate the resurrection, that you believe that indeed Jesus is risen from the dead. And what we're going to talk about then is so what? What does that mean in our life? What does that mean today? You know, today that means you have ham and I don't know, maybe you don't have ham, uh, but if you do, I hope you have pineapple with it because I, I really like that. Uh, and today, you know, yesterday maybe you've had some colored eggs that you hid somewhere and you look for and things like that. But what will it mean tomorrow? What will it mean through the rest of our lives that indeed Jesus is risen from the dead? You know, I think sometimes the world looks and uh, they think of death as being a natural occurrence and the resurrection as being out of <laughs> unnatural. But what God basically says is, wait a minute, this death was never supposed to be. That's not natural. We're going to raise Jesus from the dead. We're going to defeat death. That wasn't, the, that wasn't in the original plan. That, indeed, is what is not natural. So we are going to look today in the book of 1 Peter. As we talk about on the fourth day of April of 2021, what impact the resurrection has on our life. The apostle wrote, Blessed be the God, God the fa and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, great phrase there, he has caused us to be, and here's what he has done through the resurrection, born again. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. He has, given a, he has caused us to be born again. He has given us new life. He has given us a new mind, a new heart. He has given us inside of us now a love for him, a desire to please him, a situation in life where uh, I can no longer be happy and content to just go on living my life without him and to live my life however I want and many times in sin. I can't be happy doing that anymore. Uh, he has made it so that won't happen for he has placed a new life in me. He has given me life. And my new behavior is not just a simply effort of somehow trying to please God. My new behavior is a result of that life that he has put in me, that I have now uh, this living hope. But let us read uh, through the rest of uh, our passage here in 1 Peter, and then we'll step back and dissect it a little bit. He said he has called us to an inheritance that is imperishable, and undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded. That's kind of a cool idea. We'll come back to that. Through the faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last day. 
It goes on, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than that of gold, perishes, uh, I'm sorry, gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor to the re revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me just stop there for just a second. That phrase, there's actually four little words in here that I have come to love. Uh, it says, though now, here's the four words, for a little while. Okay? I want to explain. If you go back to the first couple of verses of this chapter, which I skipped, it talks about all these different believers that have been scattered. Okay? And now they are living in Pontus and, and uh, Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. Bithynia uh, and they're, they're scattered throughout. And the reason why they're scattered is because this is a time of great persecution. Peter wrote to a persecuted people. He wrote to people who have been grieved by various trials. They've been going to a, through a hard time. And I want you to remember that idea, okay? As we talk about these people and talk about what they have because of Christ's resurrection, I want you to remember who we're talking about. We're not talking about people who've been you know, born with a silver spoon and everything is rosy. We're talking about people who have had it tough. They have been chased out. They have been persecuted. They have endured various trials. These are people who've gone through a rough time. And let's, as we read on, let's see some things that are true in their lives because I think we can connect with them. If we're honest, these are just people. These are people who lived in, first, in, in the first century world and they lived as Christians, which made it doubly hard. And these are people that, well, let's see some of the things that they experience in their life despite. But that, that phrase for a little while is very, very common biblical language. Okay? Oftentimes the Bible uses that phrase over and over again that, yes, uh, this, what we face here on this earth is temporary. Okay? And, and encourage you uh, to remember uh, those four words moving forward. Though... You have not seen him. Peter says, I, I got to see Jesus. You have not. You love him. Though you do not rejoice, I'm sorry, you do not now see him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with joy. Okay, again, common people, they've had a rough time. They go through hard times. They've had it tough. They've had a lot of trials, but they rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of their faith, faith the salvation of their souls. As I mentioned, I want, to, uh, I want to back up here a little bit as we go through this text and um, focus on a couple of different phrases in here. You know, when I read that idea of having inexpressible joy and filled with glory, I thought, that's how I want to live. And that is what this living hope that we have, that is what the resurrection of Jesus is going to mean in our lives going forward. But a couple things here. He's called us to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Okay? Don't miss what we have as far as eternity goes in Jesus. Um, I was thinking about this this morning. This, later this month will be five years since my mother passed away. You all remember my mother, some of you? Uh, said here she came uh, after Dad died. She came up here for about a year and a half. And uh, I said, I can't believe it's five years. I'm still getting her mail. Uh, they, they just they won't stop sending it. Uh, got away. But um, when uh, mom died, she had what we'll say a rather strange inheritance that she left for us. And now, and I don't mean to mock you if you if you hold this same belief. I really don't. But 
it's it's a little unique, and that's okay. But she, they, mom and dad, were very much afraid of. I, I don't know. Uh, there was a, a shutdown worldwide that somehow they wouldn't be able to get their money, so they were really into stashing cash around the home. Okay, and they were always telling me that, that you know, I'm not saying that mocking. You might do that too. If you do, please raise your hand so we can come investigate you. Uh, we'd like to check that out. But when mom passed away then, we're going through, and we knew this about her. And, in fact, behind her stereo or her sound system, everything like that, she had put a nail on the back of it, and she hung a little a bag, just a, just a little sack back there. And when we found it, we opened it up. You ready for this? $3,500. In the bag. Yeah, pretty good. Then, wait a minute, it gets better. We went through the medicine cabinet, and we found a whole, uh, an old uh, suppository container. Yeah. yeah. Why that, I don't know. But we opened that up. I'm not kidding. Another $2,600 in there. Uh, That was pretty much our inheritance right there. Now, we went through everything else pretty doggone carefully. The rice, there's got to be something in there. Uh, But, uh, you know, we really didn't find a whole lot. But uh, And then Mama told me, she said, hey, I have a couple of insurance policies. And I, I didn't really expect that. I thought, okay. Well, it turns out she, they had purchased a couple of insurance policies back, I think it was 1962 was the date on there. And uh, they had purchased them for, I, I want to say, $1,300. And the idea was they would have money to bury her. Okay? But I thought, man, $1,300 back then. <laughs> Uh, what is it now? But it turned out they had bought some type of policy that did not grow. It was just, that was just set. And was, they had paid a one-time deal, uh, and here you go, you, you get this when you die. So it turned out that that $1,300 back in 1962 was worth exactly $1,300 <laughs> in 2017 or whatever, whatever it was. Uh, they got the same, same deal. And uh, I thought about that. Think about if, they, if she would have invested that. Uh, and and somehow, you know, or put in something that did mature, it would have gone up, uh, I, I looked it up actually, would have gone up like 10 or 11 times at least as far as that goes during that time, at least. Uh, that That's a minimum. Know this about our inheritance in Christ. It is not going to diminish, okay? What mom set aside in that really lost a lot of value over those years. Uh, that $1,300 just didn't quite go as far as it would have back, back then. Uh, wouldn't even covered, of course, the funeral expenses. But what God says we have in him is an inheritance that is imperishable. There's no way it's going to decline on the same topic for a second here. A couple of years ago, my wife and I got motivated. It was about time we got a will. Okay, and uh, we just thought, hey, you know, something could happen. We're going to need to make sure we have a will. We didn't have one at all. I remember it was that day we had that terrible ice storm here, if you all remember that, a couple years ago, because we thought we were, anyway, uh, we thought we were going to need it. But uh, I sat down with the kids. I thought I was going to have a real serious conversation with them afterwards and explained, you know, where we keep the will, who has the will, and everything like that. My kids could have cared less. (laughs) It was like, Dad, uh, let's go for a walk. Uh, And I thought, you know what? But it kind of dawned on me, if they thought we had a lot of money, they would have probably cared. <laughs> they probably thought, yeah, so we decide who gets to take care of your dog. Uh, that's pretty exciting, Dad. Uh, thanks, thanks for telling us. They probably thought there, there's just not much there that they would care about. The value of our inheritance is based largely on the person who's leaving the inheritance, would you not say? Who is it that the Bible says is keeping our inheritance? Who is it that has promised us an inheritance? It is God Almighty. 
So therefore, I think we can, uh, we can kind of get a little bit excited about the fact that because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection, we have an inheritance. An inheritance that if you want to say in one hand, Jesus is holding on to that inheritance. It goes through, let, let's, let's highlight the next section there. It goes through and it says that it is kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith. Okay, so if you want to see it like this, on one hand, we could say that Jesus is holding on to our inheritance, on the other, uh, an inheritance for us. And in the other hand, in the other nail-scarred hand, he's holding on to us for an inheritance. And he says, you're guarded. We had a neighbor that um, a couple years ago, he walked over and he said, yeah, I've decided to go back to work. He's about 80, smoked his whole life, thin as a rail, little fella. And uh, he said, I've decided to go back to work. I said, oh, really? I said, where are you working? And he said, oh, I'm a security guard at the bank. The bad part of that is he was actually a security guard at my bank. <laughs> uh, and I was like, okay, uh, I really feel safe right now. I think maybe it's time to put my uh, money in a suppository jar and put it in the medicine cabinet, cabinet if that is the case. But uh, he said, yeah, uh, I'm a, you know, I got this, this new job down there and I'm a security guard. Just like we think about the inheritance based on the person, the value of it based on the person who's giving it, we can also, when God says he's guarding this eternal life, when God says he, God says he is guarding us for that and our salvation and he is protecting that, we definitely can say this is the one who died to save us and he lives to keep us. Amen? That's pretty cool. Now, before we leave that idea and move on to, to really what is our main point for a second, I, I just, w- would you think with me about that just for a second? Would you reflect upon that, the security of eternal life because Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death? And I, I was thinking of some of our folks that, uh, I was thinking of Lynn Plummer this morning. I was thinking of Dwayne Avens. I was thinking of Barb Eldridge. I was thinking of Betty Woods, some of our members that in, in last year have passed away, and I was thinking when I get to stand up at their funerals, I don't say, they're in heaven. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Well, let's hope they're in heaven. I get to say, you know what? They're in heaven. Knowing for sure that their salvation has been guarded and protected by the one uh, who is all-powerful. Knowing for sure that their inheritance is guaranteed by the one who owns it all. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? So because of the resurrection, what difference does it make in our life? We have our eternity secure. And truth of the matter is, as I thought about that, I would say that's enough. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, if Jesus had said, okay, um, for right now, I'm going back to heaven. Uh, why don't you get together once in a while, sing some songs about me, read my book. I'm coming back. Hang in there. Okay? And hang in there. You got eternity with me. Truth, I'm still going to take that deal. Okay, I'm going to think about that phrase for a little while and anything this earth can throw at me. And then though I might be uh, facing a hard time and even a harder time by following him, that's okay. I'm going to, I have an eternity secured. I'm going to follow him still. Okay, I thought about, yeah, I think it is still worth it. It is still something that I want to do. I still want to make sure that I am, that I am following him. However, I want us to go back and think about this phrase, the living hope, okay? Let's go back to that verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
So do we have a secure eternity? Most definitely. But there's something else the Scripture tells us we have, and that is this living hope. In other words, we can look and we can see what it is that Jesus has saved us from. But today I want you to focus your attention perhaps even more on what he has saved us to. Okay? That it's not just a, what has he saved us from. Well, of course, you know, we look and we say wrath. The wrath of God. And he has. So, well, that's not very popular at Easter time. doesn't matter. It's biblical. I have to say it. Uh, I also have to say this. I don't really think that you can look at things and separate the wrath of God from the love of God. I think the wrath of God is part of God's love. If I could illustrate just for a second, a few weeks ago, uh, we were with my son and his family, and um, we were just hanging out in the living room, and his two-year-old was running wild, I mean, uh, adorably walking around the room, uh, and um, the uh, somebody who was visiting their home who wasn't used to having a two-year-old around had left my char- his char- their charger uh, for the phone in the outlet there right in the middle of the room. Uh, and uh, Hosea found that and thought it was a pretty neat toy to keep plugging it in and out. And his father saw that and said, stop that. And, of course, immediately Hosea went over, folded his hands, and sat there like a good li- Okay, that wasn't what happened. Uh, Hosea proceeded to continue to try to put different things into the outlet. And uh, I... My son is, uh, he's more of my wife's temperament as far as he's pretty laid back, but we saw him fly across the room, uh, and actually came down, and he flew across the room, and he came down with a hand across Hosea's hand, and get that out of there, and Hosea was scared, and I was scared, and uh, everything, what had happened there, but he was like, this isn't going, man. Uh, we got to stop this. This is dangerous. It's going to kill the kid, you know, somehow, and the love of God as part of that love, we need to understand that the things that destroy us, sin, is going to be hated. Okay? God is going to hate the sin uh, that destroys, that brings us away from Him, that, that, that tears us down. So, we know that we have been saved from sin's penalty. Okay, we sang about that. I am forgiven. Christ has borne that penalty. Uh, Good Friday, we, t- we we've look at him on the cross. We see him suffering for sin. We know that we have been saved from sin- sin's penalty. We even know and we sing about, and hopefully we're learning to walk in this, we are saved from sin's power. Okay? Uh, it no longer has a reign on me. I am free. I'm sorry. Yeah, it no longer rules my life. I am free from it. And I can ex- walk in that freedom. We know that we're saved from his sin's penalty and sin's uh, power. We also know that uh, God has promised that he will deliver us from sin's presence. And we know that, and we look and say, okay, so I've been saved from sin. But to what am I saved? And actually, when I first started to put this sermon together, I started to make a big list. And then I narrowed it down to really just one thing that I have on my list. I thought about this whole idea of this living hope and the idea that indeed Jesus Christ is alive and he has invited me into a union with him where I walk through life with him, okay, and that I can know him personally and I can actually enjoy that with him. This is the living hope that he has called me to. Many times I think we have a mindset, and I want you to listen to this phrase because I think this creeps into a lot of our thinking. We believe that God loves a future version of who we are. 
Okay, I want you to think about that. You know, in other words, when I get myself together, you know, when I, you know, somehow when I have overcome this sin, when, when I've got it together, that is, that is the God, I'm sorry, that is the me version. And, uh, and we spend a lot of times, too, comparing ourselves to other people. We kind of think, oh, this person must be better than I am. Can I, can I tell you this, and I, I hope you remember this, when you see somebody that appears to be perfect, you have a distance problem. What I mean is if you get a little closer to them, you will find out that they're not perfect. Okay, very simply, uh, that's how it is. Remember once my wife and I um, were going to a movie, and uh, the babysitter got there a little late. We were the last ones to go into the, the theater. This was a theater over at Movies 14. If you ever walk in there, the first theater on your left faces a different way. And I remember we walked in there, and the only seats in the place were in the front row. Okay, now not only is that a guaranteed neck cramp, but also if you've ever sat up there, even the most attractive people look nasty. <laughs> I remember staring at Richard Dreyfuss's nose and thinking, I'm pretty sure I could fit up in that. That is the biggest nose I've ever seen. I remember sitting in the front row and just thinking, ah, uh, like that. But even, like I said, the most attractive people that they'll put on the screen, when you see them there uh, up close, so close like that, you, you see it like that. And if you could understand that, if we can remember that, we are all. See, this, this whole idea of sanctification, and that, that's my big uh, you know, $10 word I'll use with you today. But we, we use that word around here sometimes. It's a theological term, I guess you could say, but it talks about the idea. It actually means to be set apart. It's this idea of us becoming holy and becoming like Jesus. It's the process of person. Salvation is when a person comes and trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior. And then as they begin to grow and mature, we talk about them being sanctified. And they're, you know, they're becoming, if you want to say, a better Christian. They're, you're gro growing in the Lord. That process of sanctification is slow and messy. Let me say that again. That process for all of us is slow and messy. In other words, we are not perfect. We're not there. And sometimes we see this idea that, that God is waiting for a better version of me, and we miss that he has invited us into a relationship with him now. If you think about this idea of we can only really be fully loved when we are fully known, and God fully knows us and fully loves us. For everybody else, if we hide part of ourselves, they really don't love all of us and that they haven't really seen all of us. But with God, He knows us perfectly. He knows who we are. He knows us inside and out, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and He has said, I love them, my son, my son. If you think about this, the glory of Christ is seen. This is a good statement. It's not mine. The glory of Christ is seen not so much in my perfect behavior, but is seen in the fact that Jesus loved those who can't quite seem to get it right. And we have this idea that God's waiting for me to clean up. Hymn writer captured it pretty well. He said about Jesus, he said he lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me, and he talks with me along life's narrow way. Okay, he lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. That's in the verse that we read. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And what the, I kind of wanted to sell you one point, if you will. Sorry for that crude terminology of sell, selling you something. But when you think about this idea of what we have today, what we have today, what we have moving forward because of the resurrection, what you have is that ability to abide in him. You have that relationship with him. That is the thing that changes everything going through the day.
And what is the result of that? Through him, I'm sorry, <laughs> my reading is hurting. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not seen him, you believe in him and rejoice. And here's what you have. You have a joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory. One of my family's favorite movie lines that we reuse all the time is from the Elf movie where he uh, looks and he says, what's a Christmas, Graham? I want one. Uh, but, but our phrase whenever we hear about something was, I want one, uh, like that. Okay, here's, when I read that phrase, that's exactly what popped in my mind. Inexpressible joy and full of glory. I want that. <laughs> I want that life. I am very comfortable, uh, you may have noticed, uh, giving you stories about how I mess up. And I got a ton of them. <laughs> uh, I could do that all the time. I'm not quite as comfortable giving you stories that uh, cast a little bit better light on me. But I, I felt like I really wanted to share this because I, I got thinking about this phrase and even that idea, I want that. I want this inexpressible glory, uh, joy. That's the life that I want in following him. And I got thinking about how the Lord is actually producing that in my life that I begin more and more to know what that is to have this joy. This might sound weird. I'd imagine uh, <laughs> we, uh, we get to go down and visit granddaughter today. What, is she four or five weeks old today? One, one of those four? Okay. Uh, but my daughter gave us a warning. She said she doesn't, she's not really uh, happy with the world. <laughs> So, okay, that's all right. We'll be there a few hours, and we're back out of there. Uh, you can live with her in the middle of the night when she's not happy with the world. That, that's, that's all right. But I was thinking about that idea of just not really happy with the world. And this is going to sound weird, but I thought about it. I really am really happy with the world. Now, again, connecting with these people of First Peter, not because everything is great, not because there's not trials, uh, not because things haven't been tough. Uh, one of our members was talking to me this week about a friend that they have who is a pastor. And uh, they were just saying that this pastor, he's, he's really had a hard time. He's just really gone through it. And uh, we know that all pastors have, so we're praying for you. And I thought, well, I appreciate your prayers, but truth of the matter is, I'm really pretty good. And I'm not just saying that. I'm really like, hey, this is pretty good. I thought where I am. And this, this part may sound extra weird, and maybe you think I need to see a doctor and check on the hormone levels or something like that. But I cry almost every time I pray now. It's kind of weird, but I do. I'll get out a list, and I'll start saying, okay, I want to pray for this, this, stuff like that. And almost every time I pray, you say, well, why is that good? Because honestly, they're tears of joy. They really are. I, I get praying, and I think about how incredibly thankful I am for uh, for. God in my life for his mercy through the years for putting me where I am. I will not, you will not hear me stand up a lot and brag on my wife here, largely because I'll break down in tears. I'm so thankful. Okay? Uh, you know, I get where I stop and I pray and I, I thank the Lord, you know, listening through different people. And it's the same deal where I just, man, this, this is so good. And again, I, I don't want to oh, be like me. Well, I got this down. Actually, what I want to say is I hope you get this down a little bit better before I did. Okay, I think this is something that I really started to get a hold of when I was in my 50s. You know, this whole idea that what this life is really about walking with him, not trying to get myself cleaned up enough to walk with him, but beginning to walk with him uh, through the mess that I'm in and watching him uh, and his power and his light and the power of the resurrection bring victory. And then learning what it is like more and more to actually walk with him and watching some of these things be produced in my life that we're talking that we're talking about. You know, not because, you know, sometimes we think, joy, I'm going to be joyous. You know, it really doesn't work like that. I think you can cho choose 
joy in a, in a sense like that. You can cho- choose to take that approach. But largely, it's not, it is not a manufactured thing. It grows out of this relationship with the King of Kings. It grows out of walking to him, with him. Joy and glory. I want that. That's the life I want to live going forward. Yeah, hey, I want to celebrate that we'll, we'll live forever in heaven with him. And like I said, if that was all there was, that'd be enough. But tomorrow, I want to walk in this. I can't even express it. <laughs> it just chokes me up. The joy that comes because Jesus is alive, and he is alive in my life walking with him. The uh, folks are going to lead us in, a, in another worship song, just a great way to close out the service and praising him for who he is. As they do, may I take you back to a minute for what we started off by saying that this resurrection of Jesus Christ is the defining miracle of Christianity. Okay? And I could even say this. If it were not for that, I'm done. Okay? I'm quitting. My, my hope is in that. Okay? I'm not saying throw out the rest of the Bible and just talk about the resurrection, but I am saying take that out. And what do we got? And it is through the power of that resurrection and only through the power of that resurrection that we have an inheritance in Him that we can have eternal life. The Bible makes that abundantly clear. If there were any other way for man to be made right with God, uh, you know, through any type of works or religious system, that's the route we'd have gone. But there was no other way. So Jesus came, laid down His life as a sacrifice for sin, said, come, trust in me, believe in me, and you can because on the third day I walked out of that tomb. And see, I'm stronger than death. I proved it. And I'm stronger than sin, and I want to prove. Okay, I hope, first of all, that you know he's stronger than death. I hope you've placed your faith in that fact. And because of that, you can say, uh, like Peter said about these folks, we've been born again through the power of the resurrection. If you haven't, uh, man, what a great day today would be when you just say, hey, that is what I want to put my faith in, that power of the resurrection. So I hope that's one thing you could say, but I hope also that you are at least beginning to say, not only is he stronger than death, he's stronger than sin. And he's stronger than the sin in my life. And he didn't call me to stay over here in my own little corner, live my own life, and someday get back together with him. He called me to a union with him. He is a living hope. He is a living God who wants to walk with me and talk with me and tell me I'm his own and celebrate him in that way. So can I encourage you on this Easter morning, don't stop celebrating the resurrection when we walk out of here, okay? And more than just the ham, whatever else goes with the ham, uh, let us continue to understand that that power of the resurrection secures my eternity. But beyond that, it also gives me a living hope that takes me through the coming days. Father, (laughs) every truth about you is beyond our ability to even express our thankfulness for. But we'd like to, you know, (laughs) I don't know how to say this, Lord. We'd like to do our best with that today. We want to praise you for the power of the resurrected Lord. 
And Father, I pray that it will go beyond this room. I pray that if there's somebody in here that, first of all, has never trusted in that power over death to understand that they can have eternal life, that your spirit would not let them rest until they have called on you. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us that, uh, you know, Peter's kind of talked to everybody and he used that word. He said, us, this is us, this is all of us. As we walk through this life, Lord, may we grow increasingly in the ability to live in the power of the resurrection over sin. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.